Glenn Beck program. Hello, America. It's Friday, and we talk about courage next. The Glenn Beck program. Give me 60 seconds, and uh, we're going to tell you a great story uh, and introduce you to somebody that I think you should meet. Uh, first, let me tell you a little bit about RecTech. Uh, here in Texas, we've uh, reached that time of the year where it could be 80 degrees one day and 30 the next. And I'm not kidding you. L- last, what was it, last week? Yeah, last week we had record low temperatures. Haven't seen them since like 1899, you know, when we first started driving cars. Uh, and now because of global warming and slash global cooling, we had these same temperatures we had in 1899. Uh, and then the just three days later, it was 80 here. So no matter what you're doing when you're grilling outside, sometimes you don't want to be outside. Sometimes you do want to be outside. And the one thing you do want is something that is a constant temperature inside the grill. That's what Rectech really excels at. Uh, even if the weather is changing uh, or no matter how cold it is, you have an app on your phone and you can set the temperature and it automatically monitors that temperature and adjusts the heat to make sure that it remains the right temperature. It tells you when things are done. You can you can grill, you can smoke, you can bake in this thing. It's Rectech. It is fantastic. If you're looking for a new grill, make sure you check out Rectech and AB compare them. There's nothing like it. Rectech, R-E-C-T-E-Q.com, R-E-C-T-E-Q.com, Rectech.com. So earlier this week, I saw a viral video from a former Arizona news anchor named Carrie Lake. Here's what she said. Sadly, journalism has changed a lot since I first stepped into a newsroom. And I'll be honest, I don't like the direction it's going. The media needs more balance in coverage and a wider range of viewpoints represented in every newsroom at every level and in each position. In the past few years, I haven't felt proud to be a member of the media. I'm sure there are other journalists out there who feel the same way. I found myself reading news copy that I didn't believe was fully truthful or only told part of the story. And I began to feel that I was contributing to the fear and division in this country by continuing on in this profession. It's been a serious struggle for me, and I no longer want to do this job anymore. So I've decided the time is right to do something else, and I'm leaving Fox 10. There will probably be some hit pieces written about me. Not everyone is dedicated to telling the truth. Okay. Thankfully. So this is Carrie Lake. We're gonna, we have her on the phone now, and so we're going to get the story from her uh, firsthand. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Hi, Glenn. I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me on. I, I just can't believe that I'm talking to you about this video that I put out. I just <laughs> wanted to send a message to the viewers. Yeah. Well, let I, them know where I was going. I think this went viral because I, I think people are feeling kind of what you're feeling. They don't trust uh, news and quite honestly, local news has been more trustworthy in the last few years than it has been the national news. And uh, and we need good journalists now more than ever. And I, I, I saw this and I can relate to your pain uh, and and wanted to talk to you about it. And I, I don't want to yeah. bash the station or anybody else. I just want to talk no. generally what is happening 
what is happening? Wow. Well, I mean, I think we have very biased news. I think we have a, a lot of one viewpoint represented in newsrooms around the country, whether it be national or local, and very little of another viewpoint. And I, and I, I guess you could say, you know, right versus left, but I'm even talking I don't know how to say it. When I first got into a newsroom, I remember it just seems like there were a lot of different age groups. You know, it's become a very young profession. It's a hard job to run around and be a reporter. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we're kind of missing different perspectives. Even when it comes to age, we're losing a lot of the older people in in journalism. I mean, think about, I don't know how old you are, Glenn. You're a young guy. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm in my 50s. I'm in my 50s as well. Okay, I, I feel like I have a little more wisdom than I maybe I did even in my 30s yes. or 20s. Yes. And I think it's great to have those viewpoints, people who maybe are grandparents or people who grew up in, um, you know, small towns and have rural experience. It's all becoming kind of the same, the same viewpoints. Um, and I just decided that I couldn't fix it one person but I also didn't want to be part of it. And I didn't feel proud about what I was doing. And I'm one of those people that I like to, I like to work and I like to feel good about it. And I, I just hadn't been feeling good about it for a long time. So I, 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 it, let it, me say this, Carrie, and, and, um, and ask okay. your opinion on it. I'm not sure that it is, um, you know, when you were talking about age uh, and wisdom and experience, I know I want to surround myself with young people, not to the expense of others. But because they have a different viewpoint and they see the world uh, for what in in, with fresh eyes and what it can be. Um, But I also want to work with people who understand and respect the world that was and the world that we have lived through and the experience we have. If we work together, we create something amazing but I don't think that exists anymore. The, the, you're just dismissed. Yeah, or not even dismissed. You don't even feel you can put your ideas out there to be dismissed. Wow. <laughs> I've, I've had so many people reach out to me. And you're right, Glenn. I, I love the young reporters I've worked with. You know, I, I absolutely love the perspective they bring. I just I was thinking when I got into my first newsroom how I was kind of the young reporter and I looked up to so many of these veteran reporters who'd been there forever. Right. And a lot of them have gotten out of the business. So I'm not trying to bash the young people. I adore them. They, we have some of the hardest working, great young people in town, and I've been lucky to work with them. Um, but, yeah, yeah you, you don't even feel comfortable putting out an idea because your people are afraid to talk right now. I just was at an appointment the other day. And it, it was somebody, it's somebody I've, I've gone to uh, for a while, and I thought he was um, liberal. I didn't know what his you know, perspective was. We didn't really talk about the news because it's kind of dangerous. Yes, and when he crazy. found out that I left my job, only then did he reveal, oh, my gosh, I'm actually conservative, and I'm scared to death. I, I see clients all day. I'm so afraid to even speak that I might offend somebody. And I thought, wow, this is not just in journalism. This is in, this is everywhere. In every industry, people are afraid. And I'm hearing this from the response I've gotten from the video, which has been thousands upon thousands of emails and comments, people telling me they work in, you name the industry, yeah. they're feeling this as well. 
I, I can't tell you, we did a deal on the Great Reset and what the banks and the accounting firms are now going through uh, on this ESG reporting, Environmental, Social Justice and Governance uh, score, which is basically mm-hmm. Chinese uh, social score, their social credit score. It's, it's really, truly terrifying. And Very. I am getting so many emails and so many calls from people who are uh cpas or work in the banking industry that are all saying the same thing this is coming and we don't know what to say we don't know what to do because i'm not for this but i i i'm i'm out you don't stand against this yeah it's it's frightening and so what do we do you know that's the question how do we come together i think the majority of people feel like what you just described they're they're afraid of, of what's coming they want to speak out, but they don't know how to do it. You know, do you lose a job? Do you, you have to put food on the table, right? Somehow. Yeah, yeah right. Um, I, and, and I had to come to grips with that because I was walking away from an, a nice paycheck. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I've worked in the business for a long time. And the courageous part wasn't putting the video out. The courageous part was coming to grips with okay i'm leaving i have to leave this all behind yeah when you have 20 years at 20 years at number one at a local station that's a big thing to walk away from and also i bet you also thought but i'm also losing my voice i'm losing the ability you know to to have this kind of impact maybe i can make Mm -hmm. a difference did you go through that as well I did. I, I, I for a while um, I felt like, well, it's better to be in the media, even though I'm not totally proud of it. At least trying to, you know, I always say it's not my sandbox. I'm just playing in it, and every right. once in a while I try to throw a handful of sand out. Right. Um, but you know, I, I hate to have voices leave the media that we need, and maybe more common sense voices. But also, when you just feel like you can't make a difference. Um, then you have to move on. That's where I, I kind of came to. I thought, well, I just don't feel like I can. It, it's not worth putting my voice on things I don't. I personally don't believe in. Now, other people, Glenn, they might jump into these roles in, in newsrooms around the country and feel fine reading the stuff that I had a hard time reading and, and feeling good about. Did the election play a role in this? I think two things happened, COVID and the election. But really, it happened Back, with, you know, with the election in 2016, I, I started seeing about how people were covering Donald Trump. And um, I thought, why are they so why do they hate this man so much? Can't we just be fair in how we cover him? Didn't seem that way. And it only grew worse after 2016. Um, I wasn't thrilled with uh, how the election was handled by the media at all. And, and I remember on um, election night, actually, when. Um, it was called, Arizona was called. I remember thinking, whoa, we still have people voting. How can, and I, and I even spoke out and, and said a few times election night, wait a minute, I don't think Arizona should have been called because we still have hundreds of thousands, maybe a million votes to count. I remember saying that several times on election night. And um, yeah, it, that kind of bothered me. Obviously, uh, when, the, when the votes were counted, it didn't turn out. And that, it turned out that Joe Biden uh, took the state, but I didn't feel that calling it that early was the right thing to do, and I voiced that opinion on the air. So I want to I want to um, ask you about COVID. Also, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say COVID also really I think was where it hit me. I felt that what I was reading was 
was kind of fear mongering. This is my opinion. And we were able to put out, the media was able to put out um, sound bites and all kinds of information from certain doctors, but not other doctors. Correct. You know, even if they were doctors who weren't treating COVID patients. And then we have doctors who are treating COVID patients and we can't talk about that. We can't talk about what's working. It was, it almost felt like there was no desire to put out stories that would make people feel better, alleviate some of their fear or give them options for treatment or things that might help. It felt very much like fear mongering. I don't want to be a part of that because I work, I live in a neighborhood with elderly people who are afraid to come out of their homes. And I, I just, I didn't feel good about it. So when we get into this kind of uh, fear to speak, um, where are we headed? I mean, there's a story in the New York Times today about how the Germans have just uh, banned the uh, speech uh, and put on a watch list the one of their political parties. It's a right wing party. Uh, they say extremist. I know nothing about this party. It, I, it might be a bunch of Nazis. I don't know. Um, but that's the way that's the way they're treating them and banning their their speech. Uh, and I, I and putting them on a watch list. And you read the New York Times story today and it is it's it's almost giddy about the idea that you could put a political party on a, a terror watch list. It's a little frightening that it seems as though we're going in that direction. Well, I mean, we may be. I mean, people are being banned from uh, Twitter and, and Facebook, and we've seen posts banned. I don't know anything about um, the story that you just talked about. Maybe this is a modern yeah. Nazi group. Who knows? Right. But, I, d- I don't know either. Yeah. I, I'm actually, you bring up a point, though. I'm, the censorship is at, a, is at a, a level I never expected to see in this country. And I'm really stunned when, when I post something or I talk about censorship on social media to see other journalists pop into my feed and make comments supporting censorship. As a journalist, I, I just don't know how you are okay with that. How do you reason with yourself and say, yeah, censorship is okay? I, I just was, I guess I was I don't know. Up differently. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, in Germany, when they banned Mein Kampf, I kind of, you know, I get it. They, they were Nazis and there were a lot of Nazis that didn't go to jail in uh, Germany and didn't pay mm-hmm. for things. And you wanted to stop that ideology. But we always sold Mein Kampf here in America. I've read it. It is crazy. It is the rantings of a madman. And to me, it, it, it makes me question, how did people dismiss this? They knew what he was going to do. How did they dismiss it? Uh, and I fear we're just repeating a lot of these things. I can still get Mein Kampf at Amazon. I can still get it at eBay. But I can't get six Dr. Seuss books from either of those places today. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure the Dr. Seuss thing out. I, I, I I don't get the problem with it, but, um, you know, I, I think when you see Dr. Seuss being banned, it's really starting to wake people up. And we're, we're led to believe that we have to re- remain quiet. Our opinions are wrong. Um, you know, we've been called racist, Nazis, you name it. And I think that 
we might be in the majority and we're just being told to be quiet and don't speak up. Even if you think it's common sense, don't speak up or you're in trouble. I think there's a, a shift happening, actually, based on what I've been reading from the comments I've gotten, where people are saying, that's it, I'm done. I'm gonna, the next time this happens at work, I'm going to say something. I have to. So I, I don't know. I, are you sensing it? And you talk to people all the time, Glenn. I feel like there might be a tiny shift happening where people are fed up enough with being told their um, you know, traditional values are wrong, their ideas are wrong, their beliefs are wrong, and they're ready to stand up. Well, I will tell you, this is almost like the last call at a bar. Uh, if, <laughs> if you don't stand up now, if you, if you are, remain silent, uh, it's th- this is the last probably easy time for you to do it. And I know doing it now seems like a lot. If we would have spoken out earlier, uh, maybe things would have been different. Uh, but it's not going to get easier from here. And if people don't stand up in those meetings, in those companies and say, I'm not doing yeah. it, you can, you're not teaching me. I'm hoping that, you know, if we had 20 percent of the teachers stand up and say, we got to go back to school. This is ridiculous. 20% of the teachers, it would make all the difference in the world, but nobody's Absolutely. doing it. Well, people are afraid of being ostracized. The cancel culture, you know, it, you want to fit in. You want people to like you. That's yeah. natural. But being ostracized won't kill you. And it might save the country. It, it will set <laughs> the you free. Thing is I've, yeah. And I've been canceled several times because people don't like what I tweet. I don't think I, I tweet anything wrong. That's right. bad. It might not be what other people, um, you know, I'm, I try to put stories out there and get people to react to them and say, Hey, what do you think about this? The president did this today or this happened. What are your thoughts? And, and because I'm not actively, wasn't actively bashing the president or pushing, you know, COVID fear, the media, some people in the media would attack me and write stories yeah. about me in the newspaper. But the first time I was canceled, it was, I mean, it was really painful. I was, distraught yeah it did feel like my world was ending Mm -hmm. but the good news is you get over it and the second time you're canceled it's easier the third time you just finally start to almost laugh at it you go okay here you go again yeah i'm being canceled again and you you get to a point to where you can almost wear it as a badge of honor because you start to see who's canceling you and you're like okay well i'm glad they're canceling me (laughs) because i'm not with them um carrie we we hope that you are going to continue your reporting uh in whatever way when you decide how you're going to do it uh, know that you have an ally in me, and I'll, I'll help you any way I can. Thank you so much. Thanks, Glenn. Appreciate God, it. You bet. God bless. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Uh, we had two new big banks uh, come out in the last 24 hours and say they're, they're going to start grading people on their environmental and social justice scores, and this is going to affect you. When you go into a bank, they are, you're going to start being graded, not just on your credit score, but your ESG score. And you won't get a loan unless you're politically correct. Uh, It is insane, but this is what political correctness actually means. Please refinance. Get the lowest mortgage rate you can. If you're looking for a loan, go to the locally owned, family operated AmericanFinancing.net. 
AmericanFinancing.net. They have you covered from coast to coast. They work for you, not the banks, not the government, nobody else. They work for you. American Financing, please do this now. Call 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID. Oh, yes. From the hallowed halls of the Academy. Uh, today at five o'clock, the Hippo big day. Wars. Big, big, big day. day. The Hippos are yeah. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. excited about it. Yeah. Hippos, by the way, is a new award, uh, not named after the hippopotamus, but after uh, the ever, well, used to be so elusive hypocrite uh, that uh, now there seem to be everywhere. But we want to point out the biggest and the best hypocrites. Uh, of the last year. You want to talk about a difficult job to narrow down. Oh, it was tough. It was tough. But (laughs) members of the Academy have voted. uh, And uh, today we award them. Five o'clock today, only on Blaze TV. You don't want to miss The Hippos. Uh, Hosted by me. Uh, Of course, I have my sidekick, Stu, with me. And the world's smallest living hippopotamus and my wife the only one that anyone is going to want to look at right (laughs) so So. we got it all we got it all this is the glenn back program so i want you to know your dog is also a listener of mine now i bet you never thought of it that way but he's there she's there listening to the show every time you turn it on he'd turn it on himself but he doesn't have opposable thumbs so he can't and you know what He hates leftism even more than you do. I care about my listeners is why. And that's why I want you to do something special for your dog. It's called rough greens. It's not a dog food. It's a supplement that you put on the food. It's full of vitamins and minerals and everything that'll make him healthier and happier. Yeah. I'm with the dog. He's looking at you right now with those eyes like what? What? Why? Why won't you do this? Here's the thing. Most dogs like mine will practically knock you down to get this stuff. They've heard through the dog grapevine that it's like dog crack. They love it. Try it out and make your dog uh, healthier than he is. Do the best thing for him. Get a free bag of Rough Greens right now just for your dog to try out. You pay shipping. That's it. Go to roughgreens.com slash back. Roughgreens.com slash back. Free bag. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn to save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV and you'll get access to the Hippo Awards yeah. coming up. Yeah! So Stand Up New York has sued Governor Cuomo to lift COVID-19, the shutdown order, and I guess they kind of won a little bit because he has lifted a bit of the uh, shutdown order. It's killing New York City. Uh, uh, Donnie Zoldan is uh, going to be joining me here in a second and I just want to read this tweet that he tweeted yesterday. I'll be on Glenn Beck tomorrow morning 1130 uh, talking uh, New York City politics, business shutdowns and mandates. Hopefully some comedy too. Wait until he finds out I'm an Upper West Side liberal? I'm trying to get my arms around that. Uh, Donnie, you're, you live in New York. You you uh, co-own a comedy club. You live in the Upper West Side, and you're liberal. Hey, Glenn. 
Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I, I, uh, I'm glad that you're on. You co-own the comedy club, if I'm not mistaken, with James Altucher, right? That is correct. And Gabe Waldman, my best friend since high school. Yeah. Um, the uh, New York, as James and I have talked about, is dying. It it uh, it is the saddest thing I've I've ever seen. I mean, the greatest it's city coming, in the I world. Don't say, I don't want to say dying. We're coming back. We're it's it's being revived right now. We're really coming back. Ask me a month ago, even I would have said dying, but I really feel like we're on the upswing right now. And by the way, the Upper West Side liberal thing. I I challenge you to. Take a walk with me on Broadway on the Upper West Side and get a bagel at Zabar's. <laughs> I should be challenging you to do that. <laughs> I've done that many times. I don't think you know what it's like to walk down the street as me. So you would be surprised. Uh, about two years ago, I was walking down Broadway with Ann Coulter, and someone yelled out, "We love you, Ann." So we should do it. <laughs> anytime, brother, anytime. Listen, I saw you have stand up, uh, stand up New York in the park, and you guys started doing, uh, you know, social distancing stand up, uh, you know, under the trees in, in New York City. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, it was actually phenomenal. March, April, May, uh, really, I was in the bar, in the club by myself, like everyone in New York City was really just hunkering down and being in their apartments. So there was really nothing going on March, April, May in Manhattan. But come June, when the weather was nice, I started city biking to Central Park and I bought a lawn chair and I would work on my laptop. And I just saw hundreds of people on the lawn in Sheep Meadow in Central Park just enjoying themselves and playing Frisbee and lying on the grass. And I text my booker, John, and I'm like, dude, we should do a comedy show here. Like, it feels alive here in the park. If you go to Broadway, it's a disaster. Mm. But you know, storefronts closed and homeless people around. And it was actually, like, dangerous in the streets. But the park, we didn't get that sense. And we, we did a comedy show. And 50 people showed up. And we had six comics. And we paid them. And it was an amazing experience. Comics walked over to me and... They said they haven't been outside in months and they obviously haven't performed and it, it was such like a relief. And then people that came out to watch, it, it felt so good to be outdoors in the sun, watching live entertainment. The city really fell alive. So after that show, I'm like, we got to scale this up. Let's do, let's do like 50 to 40 to 50 shows a week. Let's do shows in parks across Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens. Everyone thought I was crazy, but we did that. We were doing 40 to 50 shows a week during the pandemic in the summer and fall. And I've owned the club for 12 years. It was, it's been really the best experience since I've, I've owned the club. So what is the state of business in New York? I mean, you were just talking about Broadway. I don't know how those people survive. You still have to pay for the theater rent. I mean, somebody's paying for all of that. There's a lot of overhead all these actors and actresses and stagehands, they haven't worked in a year. How is this going to survive? I mean, it's, it's financially, it's been difficult. Uh, you know, before I was talking about just non-financials, 
you know, like we, you know, we were willing to invest some money and put on these park shows and we made a lot of people happy and made comics happy. But yeah, the numbers don't really add up right now. Uh, we, we've been shuttered a year, a year we were closed down. It's crazy. Even while, crazy. Even while other industries around us have opened, uh, you can go bowling and you look like a bowler, by the way. <laughs> no, you know the I did. I said I can make fun of you. I did. I did more bowling in New York City than I've done in my life. <laughs> Look like a bowler. <laughs> Too much physical Martin activity. Me permission to make fun of you. Yeah, no, there's fine to make fun of me, but uh, don't make fun of bowlers, man. They they carry big, really big suitcases. Walk down Broadway. Yeah. No, it's been really frustrating. A year. I can't believe it's been a year. We were closed down, and I got really frustrated over the past few weeks when Cuomo announced that weddings are allowed and restaurants can increase their capacity and you can go bowling and play pool and do all of these things, but comedy clubs can't operate and music venues can't operate. And I, I just, I just got really active on social media, like open the clubs, you know, screaming and yelling. And we decided Monday to file a lawsuit, uh, uh, you know, we, we were fighting for the First Amendment and the 14th Amendment, um, the First Amendment, you know, freedom, freedom of right. expression, which I didn't know, like last week. <laughs> and um, 14, which is equal protection under the law. Right. You know, we should be able to operate on, under the same guidelines as other, other businesses. Mm-hmm. And the media has been covering the lawsuit. And uh, Andrew Yang uh, I had a call with him a few days ago and he tweeted support and he didn't understand why we can operate under the same guidelines and Cuomo caved and he allowed us to reopen at 33% capacity now, which again, the numbers don't work, but it's better than zero. You know, Saturday Night Live, as you pointed out in your lawsuit, Saturday Night Live, Jimmy Fallon show, jazz dinner theaters, weddings, restaurants. Why not you? We didn't, they didn't tell us, which is really unfortunate because entertainment in New York is everything. I mean, that's why people from all around the world, young people move here, right? To be an actor, yeah. to be a comic, to be on Broadway, uh, musicians, there's great music clubs and mm-hmm. comedy clubs and there's off Broadway and not to give one explanation, not to mention it at a press conference in the past year when he's, when he wrote his book, right? Yeah. Not to address why we can't be open, why he can't arrange a conference call with venue operators, just explaining the logic to them, I find is really unacceptable. He really dropped the ball there. And I, for the life of me, I don't get it. Well, the good news is he's provided uh, you guys with a lot of material uh, when you get back to work. Um, can I ask you a question on this cancel culture and the the you know the dr seuss thing and you know if the family wants to pull a dr seuss thing fine but now ebay is saying they're not going to they'll sell mine Kampf, but they won't sell an old dr seuss book is are people in the arts uh in especially comedy lenny bruce would uh, you 
this I think he would be apoplectic over what's going on it is are, are people starting to see in your business uh this isn't a good trend you know what it, it's interesting most comics in in the country especially new york are are to the left and they're very liberal but they're very uh pro speech right. and uh they're they're very against uh this woke mob i'll call them mm-hmm. and uh they hate cancel culture which is which is cool you know like it's a great. Lot, again a lot of comics are, are are liberal but they they hate it you know they which is refreshing to see yeah it is uh, they hate what's going on and i'm happy that you know we we book the sort of comics that where they can say whatever they want and and we don't censor them and like we again, like I'm I'm liberal. I live on the Upper West Side. Uh, we we hosted Roseanne Barr uh, a couple of years ago after you know that that whole Twitter thing. Yeah, like I'm, I'm happy to give comics uh, a platform to say whatever they want, and we've never censored them. And it's funny. I was I was having drinks with my friend Dan last night, and I was telling him like, there's some words that we used to say like in the '90s or 2000s that you can't say now with I want, and I want to bring it back. <laughs> it was like funny saying, I can't, I don't want to say it now on the air. <laughs> but, like, aren't there some words like we used to grow up? I mean, you are, you're a little older than me. I'm 40. <laughs> um, there are some words where it, it sucks that we can't say them anymore because we're afraid uh, someone on Twitter is in a huge about it. George Carlin. I mean, yeah. George Carlin uh, made a, a, a good living, and one of the you know one of the things that really propelled him were the seven dirty words that you just can't say. Uh, I want to say them. You got to bring it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring it back. But yeah. Can I can I mention one thing? Like how far it's it's become. Sure. Uh, we, so about a month ago, uh, we were approached by common health. They run urgent cares here in New York mm-hmm. and they saw what we're doing, trying to keep comedy going in New York and, um, you know, try to support comics and keep people laughing. And they approached me and they're like, you know, we want to offer your comic free healthcare visit and free COVID testing throughout August 31st. Hmm. Right. Which like a really cool thing to do yep. and a comic i don't want to say i don't want to call him a comic a wannabe comic the guy's like really sucks um <laughs> tweeted now comedy club owners get to decide who's who gets health care or not which comics are good enough to health care or not like we're giving free health care to comics and he says, why should comedy owners get to decide who has health care or not? That's how far things have become. And it's, it's unbelievable. Well, we uh, I want you to know, I supported uh, Roseanne Barr when she was saying chop off the heads of uh, of uh, capitalists. And I supported Bill Maher after 9-11. I'm a free speech absolutist. I don't have to agree with you. I don't even have to like you. But we must protect free speech. And I'm also New York's not a fan of me, but I'm a fan of New York and uh, anything we can do to help you, the comedians or the comedy club, you reach out at any time. Thank you so much. I'm a fan of you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You bet. Bye bye.
having to get your car repaired, especially after the warranty has expired, is a pain in the butt. I mean, it's right up there with finding out that you have to have your appendix out, which I fought all the way to the hospital. I'm like, come on, I've got stuff to do. <laughs> i got stuff to do. Um, car Shield. Carshield.com. You don't have to worry about any more of it, and it doesn't take you doesn't take your focus off the things that you really find important, like your family. You know the money that you're putting into savings for a rainy day. You don't want to blow it all on some stupid silicon chip that costs fifty cents to make, but is going to be cost you about six grand to make your car work. CarShield takes care of that. And for covered repairs, you're not going to find anyone better. Free roadside assistance. Uh, they pay the mechanic of your choice. You don't have to wait for the check to be reimbursed. Uh, you, The moment you pick your car up, CarShield is delivering for you. It's CarShield.com. Your car, get it covered now. You're out of warranty? Get coverage and see why CarShield cars go further. Visit carshield.com and use the promo code back. Save 10% at carshield.com. Promo code back. A deductible may apply. Oh, Gally. Hello and uh, welcome to the program. Just looking at uh, our desk and the things that we we haven't done uh, yet. The things that we might have missed today. Uh, we we did hit the uh, well, the thing that everybody that I know all the people in my you know my group mm-hmm. my hangout group because we're all big fans of of The Bachelor. <laughs> uh, I think this one is a big story though. Because I did. It, I do it too. One of the the strangest and most ridiculous cancel culture stories we've seen so far. So the host was canceled. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but he was actually just trying to be nice and say, "Hey, let's cut this person some slack." He goes on TV yesterday on Good Morning America, and this is what he said. It's like a hostage video. It's- I am not a victim here. Uh-huh. I made a mistake, no, and I own that. No, Racism, <sighs> oppression, these are big dynamic problems, and they take serious thing, work, and I am committed He's the host to of work. The Bachelor. Harrison says he's been working closely with a, quote, race educator and strategist, along with faith leaders and scholars like Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. But Dr. Dyson o- often talks to me about counsel, mm-hmm. not cancel. And that hang is- on just a second. Hang <laughs> on. There's a couple of things. First of all, this guy is the host of The Bachelor. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? He does because he's trying to get his job back. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, only yeah. thing this is. Yeah. Also, is he behind it? Is that a real room behind him? No, that's that like not a, a real screen? room. You don't try, you don't <laughs> do something where you're trying to be very sincere yeah. and true authentic. and authentic with a fake room behind you. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, just, <laughs> wait a, a minute. What? He should have done the same thing that lawyer did and put on the cat filter, mm-hmm. and then he could have done the apology as a cat. <laughs> <laughs> that would have worked way better. I want that for Monday. Can, I want that, that for Monday. I want the video with him in a cat filter because <laughs> uh, then I'll I'll pay attention to with it a re- little bit more. Uh, <laughs> the really sad eyes. Yeah, I, that would work. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you missed our ode to Dr. Seuss, uh, you know the problem with the Mulberry Street book was uh, uh, you know some Asians were in cages, and we just decided it would be right to. Uh, to tell the truth about who in America has put Asians in cages, uh, you'll be able to uh, hear that on the podcast, or you could check out the uh, the whole 
Dr. Seuss Ode that we wrote at glenbeck.com. We'll see you tonight, 5 on the Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program.